Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. For a look back on today's match. This is the full-time report with the voices of our Atlanta United, Mike Conti and Jason Longshore. The home for MLS in Atlanta. Sports Radio 929 the game. Well, uh, the wild, wild night, as Jason said during the break, a fever dream of a game here in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 3-3 Atlanta United and New England Revolution, a match that had about everything you could possibly imagine. New England scoring 21 seconds into the match, uh, the fastest uh, opening goal in MLS this year. Atlanta completely outplays them the remainder of the first half until the 37th minute when Bobby Wood scores against the run of play. It's 2-0. It feels like the match is over. But Atlanta United, like the undertaker rising out of his coffin, comes all the way back and scores three times in the span of 29 minutes in the second half. Yakimakis, Almada, and an absolute golazo by Miguel Berry, what we thought would win the game for Atlanta United, but no, in stoppage time, Carlos Heel off an Atlanta sub, maybe a moment of inattentiveness, Heel allowed to drive right into the attacking third, and another situation where Atlanta United is unable to clear its own 18. Heel gets the equalizer, the match ends at a 3-3 draw, and uh, the, the same questions that we have had about Atlanta United, quite frankly, this entire month of May, Jason, about looking very, very dangerous in the attack, but looking... Very, very mistake-prone defensively. Nothing was done tonight to answer any of those questions, unfortunately. No, no. You didn't learn anything today that you didn't already know. This is a team that can score goals on anybody, and you can never count them out of a game because of that. They've scored in every match this season. They lead the league in goals. Any offensive metric you want, Atlanta's either first or they're in the top five. This is an incredible attacking team, and this is a very bad defensive team. And it's what's hard to understand on the defensive side. And some of this is down to the way that they play. And Atlanta United is going to have more of the ball. They're not going to give up a whole lot of shots. But because you have a lot of the ball and a lot of times those shots from the opponent are going to come in transition moments, they might be better quality shots than your average run-of-the-mill chance. Okay, that's fine. But there's so many moments where this team breaks down defensively. And typically it's in a 1v1. And they win duels all over the field except in the defensive third. And that's the moment. And when you get into that last play, like, I think this is something. I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead to a question Michael Valverde had on Twitter where he talked about how you don't have the awareness to prevent Heel from getting that ball. That's not what happened because it's a it's a cross from Farrell that is headed away, a lunging header from Parata. He's not able to direct the header. It goes to Heel. That's not preventing him from getting the ball. There's nothing you can do. The problem is, in that moment, how many times when you see teams that are 
better defensive teams than Atlanta United. That moment happens, okay? Nothing you can do. The cross comes in. It's well worked. It's a good cross. Lunging header to clear. It pops to that guy that you don't want it to pop to at the top of the 18. Good defensive teams in those moments, you have bodies converging. Bodies. Not one. Bodies flying in front of him. Not fouling him, but not letting him have a look at goal. Multiple defenders running at the most dangerous player on the field. You can't leave it to a 1v1 in that moment. Too slow to react to help Franco Ibarra in a 1v1 against one of the best 1v1 players in the league. That's got to change. And that's part of just this emergency defending issue that Atlanta United has. This is a team that's built to have the ball and to score goals and to play in the other team's half, and you have to accept that you're going to give up some goals going the other way. That's fine. You can't accept that you've given up 28. And you can't accept those kinds of moments late in games where it's not about shape and tactics and any of those things other than just keeping the ball out of the back of the net. You have to sacrifice your body in those moments. You see hockey players come sliding out in front. How many times do we see teams do that? Jump in front. Don't let him have that shot. You can't leave it to a 1v1 in that moment after you've worked your tails off to get it to 3-2. You can't throw away your work. Yeah, I don't want to use an NBA analogy, but we do talk about this all the time on Hawks games where you'll, you'll see a team in the NBA that's like 20 points down, and they'll come back and they'll get a lead, and it's very, very hard for a team to do that and hold the lead because of the amount of energy yeah. you have to expend to get back into the game, or in this case, the match. Um, it, it's just it's confounding because, I, again, as I said during the pre-match show, I thought Atlanta United on Saturday in Orlando defended about as well as they've defended all year. And they they took a, a big, big step backwards tonight. And I want to reiterate again. Uh, that that shot-stopping stat that I gave you a moment ago. No team in the league other than Atlanta United is shot-stopping at less than 62% this year. Atlanta is at 52%, but I want to be very, very clear on this. I am not putting that all on the goalkeeping. That is a statement, in my opinion, of the quality of chances that Atlanta United is conceding, partially because of their inability to clear their own 18 and it's leading to a lot of point-blank opportunities. Uh, I thought the first goal tonight was just as much on Miles Robinson as it was on Brad. I thought the second and third goals tonight, maybe Brad could have done slightly better, but I'm not putting it all on him. That is an overall team stand. I want to be very, very clear on that. I think Brad Guzan brings a lot of value to Atlanta United in a lot of ways other than goalkeeping. As we saw, he made a game-saving stop on Ojeda uh, last Saturday night in Orlando. So I I just want to be really, really clear on that before that spiral is completely out of control. But it is a very alarming stat about Atlanta United. They don't concede a lot of shots against them, but it's a statement of just how frequently they are being punished this year when they give up those opportunities. With all that said... The man of the match tonight brought to you by Heineken, and we'll give it to Tiago Almada, who scored his seventh goal of the year, an equalizer for Atlanta United in the 74th minute. You saw the the fight from him. You saw the will from him. You saw his teammates letting him try to go win this game. And it's his run that, that creates the goal for Barry as well. So, I mean, 
Tiago Almada is just a, a ridiculous player and in and, and most every game. Orlando, he didn't have a good one, and he bounced back here with a very good one, and he kept working. He gets that goal, takes a deflection. It's on. It's going on goal. I think it might have beat Petrovic to the opposite side, and the deflection takes it into the other side of the goal. It's a good performance from Tiago Almada, and, and again, that's another good performance wasted in, in terms of giving up that last goal. Almada... You can count on him to create, I mean, it feels like it's clockwork at this time, at least three chances every game and generally some very, very good ones. So, Tiago Amada, the man of the match, brought to you by Heineken. Let's go downstairs and hear from Gonzalo Pineda. Uh, a theme that's repeating itself this season. The team gives up soft goals, comes back, fights back, but then gives up more goals late in the game to, to not get all the points. I'm just curious uh, if you're frustrated or what are you feeling right now? Of course, frustrated because I felt that we did a great game, great game, and again, little moments of you know lack of concentration and stuff like that, you know, put us under pressure. Uh, but at the same time, as I am frustrated, I'm very proud of the game the players did. It's not easy to come back to zero at home at halftime. And even before that, um, I felt that we're putting a lot of pressure, a lot of energy, good football, because I felt uh, breaking the pressure from New England in the middle block in a 4-4-1-1, 4-2-3-1 wasn't easy. So we start to be very mobile, moving the ball fast, creating some chances, maybe in the first half not so clear. But in the second half, I felt the amount of pressure we put on them was very good, good to see. Uh, the immediate pressure was great. Uh, the active defending was very good for the most part. So it's just, you know, we were two minutes away from being very, very, very happy. Um, so I cannot be completely frustrated because I felt there are many positives in today's performance. But as I told the players, there's nothing we can say now that will make us feel better. This taste in the mouth is really, really bad. Gonzalo, what's the message in the rock locker room, of course? <clears throat> Fred gets up, you know, very unfortunately goal within 30 seconds. Um, you all can see again. What was the overall message in the locker room that kind of spurred on this comeback? Uh, I mean, it's a draw eventually, but I mean, what's your message to the players? Yeah. Um, normally I keep things a little bit in private, but a little bit what I just said, you know. Um, frustrated as everyone was a silent uh, locker room. And I just said, tell them I'm very proud of the effort and the good football that they played today. I think if we put these type of performances uh, game after game, uh, we're going to do well. Um, also because in my list, when I look at the calendar and you know, 16th game in the season and facing New England, who I think is one of the best teams in, in the conference, with a great coach, with many, many good players. I felt it was kind of uh, a point where we were assessing where is the team, how are we playing, what what, what are we uh, missing. And uh, I think there are many positives on that. So, uh, of course, you know, uh, conceding easy goals is one of those things that we need to improve. But I think uh, the hardest thing in football is to create chances and to play offensively. So I think uh, defensively, not that it's easier, but we will we will try to work on that. Yeah, but just real quick, you talk, 
about conceding goals and it happened again, you know, you bet you were two minutes away from a win. I mean, why does this keep happening? I mean, what seems up, like what up? well, you, you you mentioned the team were was two minutes away from a win, but again, you concede at the very last moment. I mean, why why does it keep happening? Especially well, uh, <laughs> there's not a. Uh, a full answer on that. I think it's just happening. We've been messaging, we've been training. We didn't have too much time to train specifically on this topic, uh, you know, after Orlando. But uh, so, yeah, we'll keep working on that. And again, at times it's just, you know, uh, moments of concentration, I would say, because it's not like our backline is a disaster and we're broken and they get chances after chances. It's not like that. And even in Orlando, you remember, they had some territorial dominance, yes, in certain points of the game, but they didn't create enough chances. And two of their best chances were in offsides. So it's not like we are conceding high-quality chances every game. Now, there are moments of concentration that we are allowing the soft goals and it's a little bit of lack of concentration or, or certain things that we can do better, blocking crosses, blocking shots. We talk a lot about that, and, uh, but it keeps happening. So it's as many things in life. You have to continue, continue improving, improving, improving. At some point, we will fix it. It's the same as when I arrived here uh, in 2021, we were considering a lot of goals from set pieces. And then we started to concede goals, and at some point we, we were pretty good on that. So it's again messaging, working, 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 and at some point you fix it. So that's the hope that with the training and the video, we can correct some of those. Coach, your thoughts on how well Yakomakis is playing this season? It feels like he's scoring every game. I know he's not, but it kind of feels like that, though. It feels like that, yes. His average is pretty good. Uh, not just his goals, but overall his performance, his effort. I think today we were using using him way better in terms of in the build-up. Uh, we found a different uh, way to break the midfield line with those passes on Yaku and then Yaku shielding the ball and then playing, uh, you know, the attacking midfielders because we identified that the opponents are you know, targeting our attacking midfielders, whether it's Rosette or Luis in the pocket and Thiago in the pocket. And then at times it opens the channel for Yahoo in the middle and from there we can break uh, the lines. So I felt today it was pretty good on that. Something we've been messaging constantly, but again, uh, very happy that Yaku is that type of player that can help us in the build-up, can help us stretching opponents, can help us once we are in the box, putting pressure on the centre-backs. Uh, and it's just good. Again, I have to manage his load. And today, actually, I was a bit more. Uh, I took a little bit of risk on the amount of minutes I I, I kept uh, Yaku on the field, what I felt that the game needed. And actually, since we were mostly in the attacking half, he wasn't making a lot of uh, sprints in, in long, longer distances. So that's why I took that risk. But still, it was a bit of a risk because he needs to build his fitness, and, and we're working on that. All right, so Gonzalo Pineda, clearly an awkward situation for him right now because I, you can hear the, the frustration, but even with all that frustration, he probably also has to consider the balance of the situation right now. Atlanta United still fifth in the East on 24 points. They've only lost four times this year. They're unbeaten in their last four so, yeah, part of me senses that he's really upset and, in a way, probably wants to light his guys up a little bit. But at the same time, um, 
that's got to square with the reality of where you are right now. And I know it doesn't feel like it after a match tonight, but, you know, again, it's a draw, and we're going to walk out of here feeling like Atlanta United lost, but they did not lose tonight. Yeah, it's a balancing act. And, look, this is a really weird, difficult situation because I can't think of a team that I've ever – you know, paid attention to this closely that has had a season like this where you're at times scoring goals for fun. And, and at times you've really got to work to score goals, and they did tonight. And they had to work. And New England put everybody behind the ball. They, they had a 2-0 lead. And it's even harder to create goals against a team that can put numbers back like that and against one of the top goalkeepers in the league. And Atlanta found the goal. So, I mean, you have to be happy about that side of it. And you can't allow the mistakes to completely color the picture here if you're Gonzalo Pineda. And you got to remember, too, when he's speaking in these moments, like he's saying different things to the team behind closed doors. You manage things differently internally. And it's a balancing act. And I, I think we talked about this with Derek Etienne and starting. And he's a guy who was brought in here to play and to be a significant factor, and he hasn't been. And Tyler Wolf is, is, is pushing him for time and pushing him for minutes. And you have to balance really denting someone's confidence with what's better for the team right now. And it's the same in the way that you play. And we saw this happen last year. Now, last year you had a bunch of injuries and the team was weak defensively because you lost Miles Robinson and you lost Brad Kazan. And you had to lose an attacker to get a defender. You had to play with three center backs. You had to be a little more defensive in your stance. But that also sends a message to your team and affects confidence. This is a team that's scoring as many goals as they can. They should have more wins than they do. They're not losing as many games as they could be because they're scoring so many goals. And you don't want to affect that by pulling an attacker and bringing on another center back, which doesn't make you better defensively necessarily either. Yeah. So it is a very tough balancing act that Gonzalo Pineda is walking right now to push this team forward and not lose what is good about them along the way. I do think, and we can talk about this later. I want to get to the stats. I do think now one or two personnel decisions are becoming a little more clear. I think it's one. Uh, one for sure, and, and that would be Wolf for Etienne, and uh, we'll get into that later. There might be a second. I, I'd really have to think about it. I, I don't know if you're necessarily taking anyone else off right now. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Let, let's get to the statistics brought to you by – Piedmont, official health care partner of Atlanta United. Again, match state really must be considered because you're trailing literally for 89 minutes and 40 seconds uh, or were in the position where you could be trailing for that long. Excuse me. Shots were 20-5 to Atlanta. Shots on target 7-3 Atlanta. No saves for Atlanta tonight. Possession 72-28 Atlanta. Uh, the XG 1.81 to 0.93 Atlanta. That's really, really punishing for Atlanta United, giving up three goals and a .93 XG. That one yep. is really, really tough. Only three key passes for New England tonight. That's another yep. one. 15 for Atlanta. Atlanta passing at 88%, but uh, losing 54% of the duels. That's alarming. New England passing at 69%. Uh, Atlanta United, no corners tonight. New England had three. I thought Atlanta may have won a corner in the second half, but Rubio Vasquez appeared to overrule the AR. That's the statistical recap brought to you by Piedmont, 
official health care partner of Atlanta United. We'll get to the highlights coming up next. Atlanta United and New England Revolution playing to a 3-3 draw on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Some say New York had the greatest lineup ever back in 20... Atlanta United. WZGC Atlanta. WZGC HD1. Always free on the Odyssey app. Back to the full-time report. Our United play here. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Wild one tonight here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Atlanta United and New England Revolution play to a 3-3 draw. Atlanta United wants to remind you that for each Atlanta United clean sheet this season, they'll donate $2,000 to Children's Health Care of Atlanta. This year's donation total currently $6,000. Let's go through the chronology of this match. An absolute wild one. And it started right off the opening kick where Miles Robinson sends an awkward back pass to Brad Guzan that Brad cannot handle. He gives the ball right to Carlos Hill at the top of the box, and 21 seconds into the match, Atlanta United is trailing on this goal. So Juanjo Parata at the edge of Atlanta's defensive third. Square ball to the right side to Miles Robinson. Played up to Josetu. Tap back to Robinson. And he'll swing a back pass to Brad Guzan, who will trap at the edge of the six. And then he gives it away at the top of the 18. Shot score. I cannot believe that. Oh, I mean, you could hear it in your voice on that back pass from Robinson. It's like, oh, whoa, what? And then Brad didn't rescue it. I mean, it, it's, it's on both. Because yeah. when you're building out of the back, and especially in your first couple of touches in the game, you just want it to be simple. You want him to be clean. And that one was kind of cut back to Brad in the air. It's bouncing. It's got spin on it. It's not easy to handle. And it just invites pressure. And the pressure wasn't dealt with, and, and Brad gave it away. And then you're down a goal before you've even gotten to one minute in the match. Fastest uh, opening goal uh, in MLS this season, 21 seconds into the match. Also the earliest goal Atlanta United has conceded in club history. From there, the response good by Atlanta United. Felt like they were very, very close to getting an equalizer, but then against the run of play in the 27th minute, New England works this goal from Bobby Wood, and Atlanta United is down 2-0. 
Carlos Heel now dribbling into the middle. Bounces it across. Left side here's Dewan Jones with an awkward trap. Rolled ahead to Boateng. Popped into the box. And New England scores again as it's sent to the back post and fired in by Bobby Wood. And Atlanta United trails 2-0 was really poor defending from Atlanta United on the initial part of it when the ball's on the left side. I don't know what was going on here, honestly, because Robinson stepped out. Lennon then had to step out. Everything got out of shape, and the cross comes in, and Bobby Wood's on the back post. Parata's not with Wood, who's the nine. Parata's in the middle. There's no one there, and it's Gutman trying to come across to get to Wood. He can't. He's on the outside of Wood, and Wood scores. 2-0 New England, and they would take that lead into halftime. And then the wild comeback begins for Atlanta United, and <laughs> not many of us are going to remember how wild it was because of how this match ended, but what a comeback it was. Atlanta United trailing by two goals, and then in the 57th minute, Yorgos Yakimakis finally breaks down Georgie Petrovic and cuts the New England lead in half. To the edge of the 18, up top to Almada. Square ball, top of the arc. Here is Josetu. Fakes the shot, gives it to Lennon. Pitched into the box to Gutman. Trapped down to Almada. Shot blocked. Rebound Gutman. Bounces into the six. Shot! Score! Boom! Yakimakis! Pinball soccer benefits Atlanta United. They're right back in the match of the 57th minute. You just keep it alive in the final third, and, and Gutman just pops it forward to give Yorgos an opportunity to chase it. It took a deflection. That's why Gutman doesn't get an assist. Yakimakis is the first one reacting to the initial ball from Andrew Gutman, and then he's the first one reacting to the deflection as well. And he knows at that stage you don't have to hit it with power. It's not about power. It's about placement. And he beats the on-rushing Petrovic. Mr. Yakimakis, by the way, one goal off the golden boot right now, believe it or not. And he's only played 678 minutes. He's got nine goals in 678 the minutes. weirdest season I've ever seen. Yeah, he trails uh, Buanga of LAFC, who's not going to have another league game before Atlanta United plays out there next week. So Yakimakis with a chance to take the Golden Boot lead uh, in the next match at L.A. Jordan Morris and Hani Mukhtar also sitting on nine goals on the live uh, Golden Boot table right now. So 2-1 New England at that point in the 57th minute. Then in the 74th minute, Atlanta United – Finds the equalizer with Tiago Almada. Lennon dribbling on Buck and cutting it back now to Josetu. In the middle for Almada, who turns to the top of the arc. Almada through traffic in the arc. Shot to Flex. Score! The team that will not quit has come all the way back to equalize in the 74th minute. The turn from Tiago Almada as that pass has slipped into him. The turn on the play, Matt Polster had no idea what just happened to him. I mean, it was that rude from Tiago Almada. And then you get the, the street baller side of it from Tiago in this moment where he turns, he's, be, he's able to run at goal. He doesn't, again, you're not going for power here. He's trying to catch the goalkeeper by surprise, and he hits the kind of flick with his right foot. You're trying to hit it with almost like you're the outside of your foot, the toes. They call it tres dedos. You're, you're trying to hit it with that, 
it throws the goalkeeper off. The deflection throws the goalkeeper off even more, and you're 2-2, and nobody knows what's happening at this point. No, uh, and what came next was something I absolutely could have never predicted. Miguel Berry, who had been off to a very, very um, choppy start to his Atlanta United career, had a good match in Orlando as a substitute on Saturday, and on his first touch of the game tonight, he hits this absolute colossal to give Atlanta United the lead in the 86 minute. This is the hot play of the match brought to you by Scanna. Here's Lennon to start a right-to-left counter for Atlanta. Pitch down the middle for Almada. Romney's got to make a play. He heads it away, but to Barry. Traps at the edge of the 18. Turns, shot, score! Colosso! Miguel Barry! The unlikeliest hero of all scores one of the prettiest goals of the season. And Atlanta United has come all the way back to take the lead. Balls with Lennon in his own half, and Almada made sure that Brooks saw him making a run through the middle. Those two have always had a good connection in, in these kinds of situations. And I thought Brooks couldn't get it to him initially, and then he was able to play it long. It's a 50-50, and look, it's 2-2 at that point. It's not risky. You're, you're back level, so you can take this risk with Almada and Romney. Now, Romney's probably going to win an aerial duel. You're hoping to get it over his head. Came up just a little short, but then this is where you have to give Miguel Berry credit, and he has worked very hard this season. Has he played well? No, not consistently. Has he had some good moments that haven't been talked about enough? Yes. Has he done a lot of things off the ball? Absolutely he has. And I thought he played very well in Orlando, very confident in Orlando with the ball at his feet. He had one really good opportunity that he flashed wide. This one, this is instinct. And this is why Miguel Berry turned the league on its head in 2021 and kept Jossie Zardes off the field because of goals like this. This is a goal scorer's instinctual goal. He takes the one touch off his chest, comes off the hop, and he hits it so perfect that no goalkeeper is saving it. And that looked like the winner. But but no. First, though, I must tell you that for over 20 years, Scana Energy has made it easy for Georgians to receive the best natural gas rates and excellent customer service. Call 877-467-2262 to sign up today. Now... I got a little queasy when Atlanta United brought on Sosa, not because Sosa was coming in, but I just got a little queasy because it felt like not 100% of attention was being paid to the ensuing, uh, I can't remember if it's a free kick or a throw to New England. I think it might have been a free kick. I, I, clearly, I wasn't paying attention either. Uh New England, right off the sub, races into the attacking third with Carlos Heel. And this happens to um, take two points from Atlanta United. Luis Araujo's running himself into the ground here. Here's Heel dribbling into the attacking third to Farrell. Across, lunging header Parata out to Heel. Top of the 18 traps, dribble, shot, score. New England is going to save a point. Atlanta United has coughed up another result at the end. Maybe it's the fair result. You had to take Arujo off because he had nothing left. He he absolutely ran himself into the ground, like I said. And after the sub, 
Sosa comes on. Heel brings it forward. Good ball out wide to right to Farrell. That's fine. Puts in a cross. You deal with it. I, I mean, I, I don't know if Parata maybe could have done more with his feet there rather than diving low to head it because if he clears that with his feet, he's able to get more distance on it, probably put it into the stands, whatever he needs to do. But it goes to heel, and and that's the part where it breaks down. Heel bringing the ball forward and being forced to dish it out wide, that's okay. You don't want him coming through the central channels into the 18 off the dribble. Okay, plays it out wide to Farrell. Farrell puts in a good cross. You deal with it. Then it falls to heel. That's the part that frustrated me looking back at it. Franco Ibarra is 1v1 with heel, but there's no other urgent reaction to try to make it more difficult for one of the most talented players in the league. You've got to pounce on the ball there and not foul. You've got to be careful yeah. because you can't commit the foul and – Carlos Heel was falling down at any possible like bounce of the ground, and, and getting he was falling every call. Over. Getting yeah, every he was, call. and that gets in your head. But it's not an excuse for not stepping and standing in front of him. And Sosa and Gutman were both in the vicinity, and no one showed the urgency. Bodras defending him and gets beat. Gets beat by a good player. Look, that's going to happen. But there's got to be more than a 1v1 in that situation. What did New England do when they had the lead? They put numbers behind the ball to give them numerical superiority. When you have that 3-2 lead in that moment, it's not – Atlanta United is not going to defend this way. It's not about just sitting behind the ball and putting numbers there. It's jumping into lanes. It's jumping in front of the ball. It's making heel take an extra touch, have to settle it back, pull it back, try to look it for somebody else. You've got to do that, and they didn't do it, and they get punished. It's a good shot from Heel. It is. I mean, it is what it is. Like, I don't care about XG on that. When Carlos Heel's getting a shot inside the 18, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, and it was too easy for him. So two goals for Heel tonight, by the way, scoring 21 seconds into the match and then scoring in the (laughs) 93rd minute. That is the the third longest time between goals. Yeah, I I can't believe there have been – Two others of, of uh, in MLS history, a longer stretch between goals within a match, but uh, that is what the league is telling us. Uh, and it ends as a 3-3 draw, and uh, everyone goes home feeling not the best. Well, New England's going to go home feeling okay. Will they, though? Yeah, they will. They will. Because Even they, after being up 2-0? Yeah, because they got the last goal in the night. Yeah. Yeah, they're absolutely going to go home feeling well. They're, they're going to – this is – see, this is the reverse, so – if you're Gonzalo Pineda in a situation, you've got to be careful about how you handle your team because you don't want the good to go away because you can't let them focus purely on the bad. You've got to talk about the good. For Bruce Arena, he's got the reverse. He got that last goal. They rescued a point after throwing it away. You can celebrate that and then light into your team. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, New England has an interesting runway now. Because they go to New York City this weekend, NYC not playing well at all. Then they play Miami at home. Then they play Orlando at home. So this might be a potential turning point for the Revolution, who have not been good. They, they have not won a game in their last four. Atlanta United, I'll point out, they'll see a second-choice LAFC a week from today. Then they have to come back on short rest, host D.C. That's going to be tough. Uh, and then they come out of the international break hosting that same New York City team that's not playing very well right now. So 
I think there's a chance now for both teams to maybe go on a little bit of a run, but uh, very little of the season to this point has been predictable, and we are one match from halfway. Chick-fil-A is committed to helping fight food insecurity and is proud to partner with Atlanta United and Soldiers Angels to help tackle veteran hunger all season long. When an Atlanta United player successfully makes a tackle, Chick-fil-A will donate 100 pounds of food to feed a military or veteran family in need for a month. For more information and to see how you can help, visit atlutd.com backslash community. We'll take your questions and comments on Twitter coming up next. It's Atlanta United and New England Revolution play to a 3-3 draw tonight on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Radio 92.9 The Game. All right, Atlanta United and New England Revolution play to a 3-3 draw tonight here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Welcome back to the full-time report. Time now to take questions and comments on Twitter. Uh, Nick goes, uh, first of all, he uh, disclaims that he was in the supporter section tonight, so he could not see all three of the goals conceded. But uh, Nick wants to know, after conceding 10 goals in our last five matches, what needs to improve defensively to turn this team into the team that we know they can be? <laughs> I wish I had an answer to that. Because it's not it's not a, a tactical thing to me. It's not a, a philosophical thing about the way the team plays. Like, you accept risk defensively for the trade-off of getting numbers forward. That's acceptable. That's okay. It's the goals that you're giving up. It's you're not reacting in those moments that there's an emergency. It's like if you hear the fire alarm over and over again and you start to tune it out because there's not a fire, it's just super sensitive to, to any kind of smoke. You start to tune it out, and then when there's a fire, ah, you can't handle it. Like that's that's what it looked like on that last goal. It's a moment where you fought so hard to get back into that, and you're not throwing your body in front of the ball, in front of the best player to prevent it. The first goal is just a dumb mistake, and it's it's just a big mistake on Robinson's pass back to Gazan, and then Gazan not just blasting it into the stands and, and resetting. That's different. It's the third goal that's the troubling one for me because we've seen that kind of goal in many different ways quite a few times. And not just this year. I mean, this is something that we've seen. In terms of that moment, you've got to just sacrifice your body. You've got to lunge in front of it. You've got to make it difficult for Carlos Heel to have a lane to shoot. Chris Kilroy says, guys, we need to be honest. We have a crisis at goalkeeper. I love Brad and what he has done. But it is over, I'm sorry to say. It wasn't over Saturday night. I don't know why it's over a few nights later. I think that's unfair. I don't think Brad, and I know the rating systems that a sofa score, a foot mob, or a who scored, all of those kinds of sites, that the, the ratings are done by statistics. And goalkeeper statistics are always a little bit hard to, to come up with. I think all of them are putting the error in the first goal on, on Gazan, and that's why the rating is very bad. I don't think that first goal is purely on Gazan. He should have put the ball into the stands. I also think you have to blame Miles. No, that's though, what I'm because, saying. Because like, the ball yeah, was not good. He, he should have put it into the stands, yeah. but he was put into a very bad position. The second goal is nothing on, on Brad to me. The second goal, your two center backs are both in weird ways out of position at various points of the play. And the third goal, you're beat to the near post. It's a good shot. Could you have done better? Sure. And that's one that we've seen Gazan make that kind of a save before. 
But the issue is not with him on that. You got to give him some games before you can make a declaration like that, in my opinion. I think it's very difficult for him right now because you had the Achilles last year, and he fights his way back in. And the start of the season, I didn't hear any of this kind of talk. Start of the season, 4 1 and 2 before, and including the NYC game where he has to be subbed out. He's played two since. They're both draws. You've conceded four in them. I don't put a lot of this on purely him. You want him to be better because you want your goalkeeper to not just make the saves that, that they're supposed to make. You want them to make some they're not supposed to make. And that's something that I think you've lacked across the board. Long term, yes, you do have to think about what's next. But I don't think that's tonight. No, and I don't think they're doing anything this summer about it either. I, I, no. I, I, so, I think, again, we, we can talk about this, but the, unless I'm totally wrong, um, I think this is Brad's net. Uh, and I, I foresee, barring an injury, this is going to remain Brad's net uh, for the remainder of the season. I think season. this team is best with him on the field. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I know some people don't want to hear about you know, leadership and, and some of the other things that Brad is very good at, but it's a huge part of the equation. And you can't, and I've seen this narrative, you can't talk about lack of leadership right. when Brad does not play and then come back and say Brad's got to go and then return to the lack of leadership argument. I so. think Orlando, you saw the effects that he has in terms of leadership mm-hmm. and, and why it's important for him to be there. And he didn't have the best of games tonight, but also the goals are not all on him either. Yeah. And I think that can be a a very false narrative that happens when a team gives up goals. Blame the goalkeeper. This team, it's not purely the goalkeeper that's the issue. I've already answered David on Twitter, so I'll let you take this one. Do you okay. feel that Atlanta United's play was uninspired, or at least some of the players seemed less energetic than what was needed considering we were down most of the match? No, I disagree with that, and I, I don't honestly know where that's coming from. Um, I think it's really easy in a situation like what Atlanta United is dealing with right now where they're not getting results they should be getting. It's very easy to go to something that can't be quantified either way and to say, ah, they don't care or they don't have the same effort or intensity, urgency, all these different things. It's very easy to just blame it on that because it's hard to prove that you're wrong. I would point out, and if I was arguing the opposite case, which I am, but I don't have the the use of replays right now, I would show a lot of different moments where this team was not complacent and not just sitting back and not struggling to chase the game and those kinds of things. I think you could see it on Yorgos Yakamakis, who was cramping up at the end, who stayed on at least 20 minutes longer than the intention was. I think you could see it on Luis Adarujo, who was out of gas and, and was just done at the end of the game. And like I was saying, and I hate that it was wasted because of giving up the, the third goal, you compare Luis Adarujo to Brenner, who just left he had a, a slight injury and just left Cincinnati and looks credit to Cincinnati that they're winning without him but he's not really showing a whole lot of commitment here Luis Arujo's got his next gig lined up and he's still fighting for this team um I want him to score more goals of course but he's fighting and I don't think fight is the issue I, I don't think it's down to fight. Well, I mean, clearly there was fight. They were down 2-0 and came back. I mean, that's the, <laughs> that's why I don't understand it, the the argument that there wasn't enough fight. Or, or I don't know. Like, 
there there was fight. They come back. They go up 3-2. Giving up the first two goals are not about fight. Giving up the third goal is not about fight. And if you're going to talk about fight, then you can't ignore that you came back to go up 3-2 from 2-0 down because that's the epitome of fight. This team needs to be better in terms of quality, and I think it is an individual situation of terms of quality they need to be better in certain moments and certain parts of the field. That's not a fight thing. That's not a not want to thing. And when you start talking about want to, I wish I could read guys' minds because I, I, I can't do that, and I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing mistakes being made at bad times and a lack of closing things down in moments. That's not the same thing as being as being said here in the tweet. Kyle Roberts Tunton says, I know you work for the club, but you're too nice. You need to let fans call in and express themselves for better or worse. How many dump buttons do you get to use? <laughs> Kyle, go ahead and express yourself. I mean, I'm reading your tweets right now. So yeah, I mean, give us substance. This is the part I always love. When Atlanta United gets a poor result, it becomes Jason and I's fault, which yeah. – uh, quite frankly, has become a little bit tiresome over the last six years, but I guess that comes with the territory. I, uh, look, but, look, I, I mean, I, I'm not to interrupt. No, like, go ahead, sorry. I, I don't know what more you guys want me to say. Like, I, I've been pretty clear that the defending has been unacceptable. I gave you statistics tonight about shot stopping that are alarming. I openly called for one player tonight to be benched. I, I don't know what more you want out of me, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but um, – you know, maybe listen carefully to what Jason and I are saying rather than just assuming we're we're cool with all this because I think even Jason uh, has has been very, very honest and very, very um, forthright with his commentary this year and what he has seen, and, and I hope I have as well. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have a bad rap from a lot of people when the team loses that I'm not yelling for people to be fired and players to be sent away. That's not how it works. No. That's not how any team is built. That's not how a season runs. That's not how you break things down if you're trying to do a quality job. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to have a viral moment and things like that, which I know is what's acceptable these days. (laughs) I'm trying to explain why things are happening. And I think I go into a pretty strong level of detail, and I think I have tonight, and I think I've been – very clear in the point that this start and this finish was not acceptable. Conceding the number of goals that this team has conceded is not acceptable. When you're averaging two goals per game and you're scoring three in two of your last three games and not getting wins in those, that's not acceptable. And you have to make a change, I think, on the wing in Tyler Wolf for Derek Etienne. And it's just... It hasn't, it hasn't been there for Derek, and I think he's got to now fight to win the position back. And Tyler Wolf has fought to win the position, and he's been impactful these last two games specifically. But over a run combined with Open Cup and combined with Atlanta United too, you've got to make that change. And you've got to find guys who can defend in those emergency situations. And if that means it's Luis Abram, if that means it's Noah Cobb, if that means it's a Johnny Fortune playing in the midfield, if that means other changes, those have to be made because you don't want to change the way the team plays. And this is, again, where I'm trying to give you a ton of detail and breaking this down. You sacrifice an attacker to put an extra defender on, that doesn't mean you're better defensively and your attack's not going to be as good, flat out. 
That's just how things work. So if you do that, you're hurting your team potentially, not necessarily helping them. If it's down to individuals, and I think it's down to individual moments, then you might have to change individuals. And you've got guys who are starting to show that they can hang at this level. Johnny Fortune did on Saturday. Tyler Wolf has shown it. Luis Abram has not had a lot of time, and he hasn't consistently shown it. I think that's why he's not getting that time. Noah Cobb has shown it in training. He's shown it with the second team. I don't care how old he is. Maybe he gets that opportunity now because he's got that fight and he'll throw his body in front of those shots and those kinds of things in those very specific moments. It's not about this team not wanting to win games. It's about those very specific moments where you've got to just make a play. And that's what it comes down to. And right now you're not making enough plays to win games. All right, we'll come back and we'll look ahead to Atlanta United's next match where it looks like they're going to be favored at LAFC. Huh? How does that work? Well, we'll explain all of that and say goodnight after this. Atlanta United and New England tonight playing to a 3-3 draw on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Did you know you can get someone to shop for you? Stitch Fix really gets me in what I need. Even better, they save me a trip to the mall. It's easy. I share my style, size, and budget, and they do the shopping for me. Stitch Fix sends me things that fit and make me feel like a more stylish version of myself. I keep what works and send back the rest. No subscription required, no commitment, just my style. Stitch Fix. Get started today at stitchfix.com radio. All right, uh, wrapping up this uh, 3-3 draw tonight between Atlanta United and New England Revolution. Just a, a wild, wild match that saw Atlanta United come back from two goals down in the second half and then give up an equalizer in stoppage time. Uh, a wild one that Atlanta United now will just have to find the positives out of and flush as they do not play this weekend. Maybe a break, maybe not, I'm not sure. Uh, they'll fly to L.A. on Monday, and then Wednesday night they're going to play LAFC. Now, LAFC is playing tonight in the CONCACAF Champions League against Lyon, and they have conceded an early goal. So they trail Lyon 1-0 in the 33rd minute of the first leg. The second leg will be Saturday. Sunday. Or Sunday, excuse me. And then on Wednesday, LAFC is going to play Atlanta United, and – I don't think there's much doubt that LAFC clearly all in on this Champions League final as they should be right now. It seems very unlikely that a lot of first-choice guys are going to be able to give LAFC much on Wednesday, which to me signals an opportunity for Atlanta United. It does, but then LAFC did that and a heavily rotated team. Now, Open Cup, you can rotate a little bit harder, but... They went and they won a game in that. Now, it's against USL Championship competition in Monterey Bay, but you've got young guys who are trying to prove themselves. And you'll have some first-team guys that mix in with that. And it's just it's hard to tell at this point what kind of mood LAFC is going to be in. Are they going to be in a happy mood where some guys might want to get on the field and have an opportunity? Or are they going to be down if they don't win this final that they're favored coming into? We'll just have to wait and see. I don't think Atlanta United has the weekend off. I think it's honestly like a normal match week because you actually be able to put in some training. 
you know, it's hard when you have these midweek games after a weekend game and whether, where there's a little bit of travel factored in. I know it's Orlando, but it's still you don't get a normal preparation for this game. You'll get a normal preparation for that LAFC game, and you need to take full advantage because then you will not get anything resembling a normal preparation getting ready for the following game against D.C. So you have to train for two games, and you have to prepare to be ready to deal with two games with the training that you're putting in this week. You've got to correct some defensive issues, and you've got to nail down, I think, what your best lineup is going to be in these two games, and you've got to get Yorgos Yakamaki's 90 minutes fit, and you've got to wash out the bad and keep the good from tonight. And that's easier said than done. It's going to be a challenge for the uh, the manager, I think. It's going to be a challenge for the players. Uh, as Gonzalo Pineda said, not a very noisy dressing room after this one tonight. You are two minutes away, though, from getting – really a comeback win of the year maybe a goal of the week in order to win it and uh just two minutes away and unfortunately it's happened a couple times now for atlanta united this year although oddly oddly if you look at points gained and dropped from the 85th minute on this year atlanta united with a net gain of zero points if you believe that because remember they gained three against san jose uh they gained two against chicago here at home um so I know that sounds very weird. I know it feels like Atlanta United has been blowing a lot of points in the final five minutes this year, but in actuality, they are even Steven on that line right now. It's the, it's the same on either side. When you are chasing a game and you score as many goals as Atlanta United does, they have a chance to get something out of every single game. But when you are giving up as many goals as Atlanta United's giving up, you have a chance to drop points in every single game. So every game is on that knife's edge. And at times, it's fallen straight down the middle and you've gotten a point, but at times it's gone either way as well. And you just got to be better defensively to get where you want this team to be this season. Hopefully that starts next Wednesday night in L.A. Jason and I will be on the air at 10 o'clock Eastern time for the Five Stripes Countdown. 10.30, the kickoff time from downtown Los Angeles. Still Bank of California Stadium, or is it BMO Field now? I think it might be BMO Field, just like Toronto. I'll BMO Stadium. BMO Stadium, thank you. I was going to have to look that up this week, but uh, you've saved me the time. That's right. 10 o'clock a week from tonight here on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. You've been listening to the Full-Time Report, a complete wrap-up of today's Atlanta United game. Tune in for complete match day coverage all season long. The home for our Atlanta United is Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This has been a presentation of Odyssey Sports. For even more coverage of your team, download the free Odyssey app and listen to your favorite station. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.